Um, I would like to just go straight into the word. Today we'll be reading out of Luke chapter 24. And if you don't know, the, there are four gospels in the Bible that talk about the life of Jesus. And in Luke chapter 24, we read a story, one of the longest stories that are written in the New Testament about um, a happening that Jesus had. And we're actually going to be reading from Luke 24 verses 13 all the way to 35, but we're going to break it down in a little bit. Uh, but just to begin with, um, if you have your Bibles or if you are able to read the screen, um, before anything else, I just want to start with the Word of God. And so I'll be reading first verses um, 13 to 24 for us. And so if you guys can um, listen and tune in for the next few verses, I'll be reading from Luke 24, verse 13 to 24. And the ESV version says this. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, are you you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here there in these days and he said to them what things and he said to them him concerning Jesus of Nazareth a man who was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all his people and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel yes and besides all this it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. Would you guys join me in prayer as we go into the word of God? Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are alive today. Father, I thank you for this Easter Sunday, Lord Jesus. And as we tune in and as we listen to your word, Father, God, I pray for open hearts. Father, whether there are people that have been in this church for a long time, whether there are people that are drawing close to you for the first time in many, many years, whether there is a discouraged believer, whether there is someone that does not know where to go, Father, I pray that in the next few moments, it will not be me that speaks, but right now, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, would you breathe upon us, God. Father, we believe there is power in your word. Father, we believe that today is not just a day to hear about what happened in history, but today is a day to see the victory that you have for us in the here and now. So, Lord Jesus, we open our hearts to you. We open our eyes to you, God. Be with us and be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, if you guys were listening um, for the past few verses, um, I want to give us some context. It was a long passage. It was quite a few verses. But essentially, this chapter happens in the very last chapter of the gospel story. This is the end of the story. And what happens is there are two people, two people that we do not know the names of. One of them is named Cleopas. The other is unnamed. It could be a man or a woman. And they are walking to a place called Emmaus. It's about a seven-mile journey. And they're walking discouraged and sad. This is no ordinary walk, but they're walking from Jerusalem back to their hometown or wherever it is called Emmaus. And as they're walking, they're discussing things that have been happening. 
Now, I know that we are not in the Jewish um, context as this passage was written, but as they're walking, they're talking about the biggest news of that time. They're talking about someone named Jesus that was crucified. They're talking about how he was their hope, that he was the one that they thought would redeem Israel. And all of a sudden, this random person comes up to them and joins them and starts asking, what's going on, guys? You know, I know that we, we know the story. If you guys have read the Bible, we know what happens. But that's as if, if you can imagine with me, you know, this morning as I was driving to church, more than ever, I see people out taking walks. And if you're listening, you are probably under quarantine. If you're listening, you're probably listening from your homes. And in these days, as I look out my window, I see more than ever, there used to be traffic in the mornings driving to church. Now people are just like walking their dogs. There's people filling the streets just trying to get a breath of fresh air. And it's like when, when I'm driving, I'm like, man, I didn't even know there's many people lived here. You know, but it's as if you're imagining, you're taking a walk. Maybe you're trying to get a breath of fresh air. Maybe it's been a couple weeks since you've been to work or you've been to school and you're out taking a walk and you're walking to your local park, and you're discussing. You know, I know for me and my family and my friends, we're always checking the news. We're always checking the latest statistics. We're seeing, I remember the day that Tom Hanks was diagnosed with COVID-19. That was before we had gone into remote working, and people were like, dude, did you hear? Tom Hanks, bro. He got COVID, you know, and then the next day someone else got COVID. And the next day we're seeing the statistics arise and it becomes more and more dreary, more and more hopeless. And as the numbers rise beyond what we could comprehend, it feels like in these days, COVID-19, the coronavirus, the government stimulus package, like whatever it is, this is what's on our minds. And it's as if you're walking and imagine me, I'm walking with my mom or you're walking with your friends or you're walking your dog, you know, and you're just talking about like, man, yeah, I just checked the New York Times this morning, and this random person comes up to you, no social distancing, no mask on, no gloves, and they're like, they come up to you like, hey, what's COVID-19? You know, like, what is this coronavirus that everyone's talking about? You know, what is this, uh, what does this, like, mean, what is this um, stimulus package? You know, who is President Trump? You know, and I, if, I were, if I were that person, and if I were walking on the street, and if I was talking about the coronavirus, and if I heard someone come, to, come up to me and say, what is COVID-19? What's happening? I'd be like, dude, just go outside and like listen for like two minutes, and you'll hear someone talking about coronavirus. But in a small and in a similar way, at that time, although they did not have the pandemic that we are facing now, in Jerusalem, in Judea, and even the surrounding region, there was one thing on people's minds, whether they were Jews, whether they were Romans, whether no matter what demographic, there's one thing that was on everyone's minds. And it was about this one man named Jesus. You see, we read that they had hope, they were discouraged, but this was no ordinary discouragement. At that time, the Jews were oppressed people under Roman rule. They were enslaved, they were forced to pay taxes, they were poor, and they were a minority group. And so there's this man named Jesus. He started to come, and he started to preach, and he started to do miracles, signs, and wonders, and they had hoped that he was the one that would deliver them. You see, in that passage, it says that as they began to tell Jesus, and Jesus is asking, it's, it's ironic when you look back at it, but they're speaking and they're telling Jesus about Jesus. You know, Jesus himself, he goes near and then they're, he, they're like, you know, what's going on? Who, what are you guys talking about? They're like, 
like, don't you know? There's this guy named Jesus. Ever heard of him? You know, he was a miracle worker, and we hoped that he would be the one to deliver Israel. Now, my question for us is this. Why were they kept from recognizing Jesus? You see, at that time, Jesus had met many, many people. And as they were walking, they found themselves in a place of discouragement. They found themselves in a place of despair. And in their discouragement, they had not even they were not even able to recognize the person that they were talking about. Why? Because in their minds, in their minds, as they were living in their oppression, they had hoped for one type of victory. They had hoped for one type of redemption. And now my question, although we, are may, we may not be Israelites, although we may not be Jewish, I know that for many of us in our lives, there have been times where we have been hoping and waiting for some kind of redemption in our lives. How do I know this? If you've ever been disappointed, if you've ever been discouraged, often that means that there was a, there was a hope that was not met. There was a desire that was not fulfilled. There was something that you had been longing for in your life that did not come to pass. And so for them, their victory in their minds was, man, I felt, I thought that this man named Jesus would come and give us victory and redemption. And this is not a bad thing to hope for. This is not a bad thing to long for. It's not bad. It's like imagine, you know, like you're coming and we're, we're bearing through the pain of this pandemic together. And for many of us, we are hoping, we're hoping for a turn in our economy. We're hoping for a turn in this pandemic. We are hoping for something to bring us out of where we're at because there's something in us, no matter how young or how old you are, there's something in us that feels like where we are now is not right. Where we are now, the situation that we're living in, the life, our circumstances, there's something that we want to change. I doubt, and I, and I, I highly doubt that there's many people in our world today that are like, man, this is my dream come true, COVID-19. You know, many of us, no matter where we're students, no matter whether we're working, no matter where we're in the government, or not, whether we're professional workers, there's something about the life that we're living in right now where we want it to change. But what does that look like? What does victory look like for us? What did victory look like for them? You see, I, th I believe that for them, although they had met Jesus, Although they had heard of Jesus, they were not able to recognize Jesus in that moment because of their discouragement, because of their disappointment. Why? And what we see in Jesus' response is a surprising response, is a surprising reply. And as I read this passage, and as I began to study the scripture, I remember feeling like, man, this is weird. You know, not only like these people, I could relate more with the people than with Jesus. You know, but as they're telling Jesus, and if you can just imagine with me, you're walking, you're, you're walking on the road to Emmaus. You're talking about, you know, the, the things that are happening around. And this guy comes up to you. He asks, what's happening? And you tell him. And his reply is not like any other reply. But he says in verse 20, 
25, if you guys will read with me the next four verses. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that, that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if they were going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward the evening, and the day is far now spent. Now, what does this mean? So they're talking to him. If we just backtrack for a second, they're talking to him. They're telling him about this Jesus of Nazareth. And rather than saying, man, you know, he sounds like a cool guy. You know, I wonder who that guy is. I wonder what he's like. He says, oh, foolish ones. Such confidence. Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart. And then he starts interpreting scripture. It's as if people are like, yeah, wh what's going on? Like, you haven't heard of the coronavirus? Dude, even Tom Hanks got it. Even the prime minister of the UK got it. You know, like, all these people have it. And all of a sudden, you're like, you know, in Moses, in the book of Exodus, God parted the Red Seas. And it'd be like, that's great, but off topic. You know, I'd be, I, I can imagine if I were those people, and I'm talking about the discouragement and the disappointment, and I'm sharing my heart out. You know, have you ever been in one of those conversation where you're trying to be vulnerable with a brother or sister you're in small group right if you guys have ever been in a small group you guys are sitting around and you're like man I'm just going through a hard time you know like I just I've been feeling really discouraged it's a dry season or you know I don't know what's going to happen and all of a sudden this random person in your small group start, starts talking about you know what's crazy Moses you know what's crazy the prophets Obadiah man what a guy and it's like, okay, that's not, you know, that's not bad, but, you know, I'm sharing my heart, you know? There are times where I'm sensitive, you know, when I care, when I'm, like, pouring out my heart to people. And when I'm sharing, what I want to receive is not, you know, yeah, great, Obadiah, but it's like, man, that sucks. I want to be comforted. I want to be listened to. I want to be understood. But the way that Jesus responds seems totally different, seems totally off topic to the things that they were talking about. But Jesus, as he's responding to them, he's not giving them comfort. He's not giving them encouragement. But he's showing them the purpose and the plans for even their very present discouragement. What does that mean to us? What does that mean? It means that although they were surprised by their circumstances, Although they were shocked by the ways that Jesus was crucified on that cross, although they were overwhelmed with grief, there is nothing that they have gone through in their lives. There is nothing that we will go through in our lives that is above the, the authority of God. There's nothing that we are going through even right now that surprises God. Many of us, we did not see COVID-19 happening. I don't know about you, but I don't, I'm not, I don't have any insight into the future. I, ha I was trying to find a, like an apartment, you know, right before COVID-19 happening. I was like, we were just chilling. You know, I was just, I was working. I was trying to be a good, you know, pastor and architect. And all of a sudden, COVID-19 happened, and it was like a whack in the face. I was like, what? Even the day before we started working remotely, I was like, really? Do you guys really think this is happening? Are we really going to be working remotely? And for many of the world, COVID-19 took us by surprise. But let me tell you that there is a God, there is one person who was not at all surprised by this pandemic. What does that mean for us? It means that although for many of us we fall under the wave and the power of this disease, there is one person. There is one God that does not, is not surprised by a disappointment. 
there's one God that it sits above. Any disappointment, any pain, any circumstance in our lives. And the reason he's saying this is not to boast at us. The reason that he's saying this is because he's demonstrating to the disciples on the road to Emmaus that although they do not have control, although they do not understand, there is someone who does. What I feel like in this time, as I'm seeing in myself, that discouragement and disappointment happens oftentimes in line with the fear of wanting control, of losing control. How do I know this? Maybe for the Jews at that time, they wanted authority to overrule Rome. They wanted the authority to overrule Rome so that they could be powerful, so that they could have freedom. And I know that for each one of us in our lives, we will all encounter this fear of not having control. One of the scariest things for me, you know, I luckily am not sick, you know, in in Jesus' name. You know, I don't have, I'm not struggling with the disease, but whether or not we are personally affected by this pandemic or not, I think one fear that many of us can identify with in this time is a lack of control, is that feeling of uncertainty, is that feeling that we do not know what tomorrow will bring. We don't know how many people will, be, will lose their jobs this year. We don't know that if, if you're graduating college, if you'll be able to find a job. We don't know that if you're going into college, if you'll be able to be in school with your friends and with, um, with your roommates. We don't know what will happen. We don't know if our, if our parents and our grandparents will, will be di- diagnosed or not. And I see this in, in time after time in our time even now, that there is a desire within humanity to gain control and understanding over our present circumstances. How do I know this? Is that there's no toilet paper at Costco. Come on, somebody. There's no toilet paper anywhere. There's no, like, there's canned beans and toilet paper are now gold to us. I remember I went on Amazon towards the beginning of the um, of the pandemic and I tried to order like soap and hand sanitizer for my parents and all of a sudden one bottle of hand sanitizer became like $60. You know, and every time I got a bottle of hand sanitizer, I was like I, this could pay for my child's tuition in the future. You know, like there is a sense, there is a panic in people to do this. Why? It's not because everyone all of a sudden loves toilet paper. It's not that now now that we're here and there's a newfound affection for toilet paper and hand sanitizer now that's the hottest thing but people do this because they want a sense we want a sense of control we want a sense of understanding that is why the federal government is trying to research and find a vaccine to cure. That is why the government is coming up with packages and stimulus aid so that our economy does not collapse because we want a sense of control over our economy, over our futures, over our health, over our safety, over our circumstances. And when that is challenged, fear arises in our hearts. When that is challenged, discouragement and fear and disappointment begins to arise. But I believe that just as Jesus responded to the people on the road to Emmaus, he's not coming with us saying, here, let me, le- let me help you understand why and what. But he's saying everything concerning himself. And he's saying that there is a God that has control when you do not. There is a God that has authority when you do not. There is a God that understands when you feel alone. There is a God that is not surprised by any pandemic, 
by any hopelessness, by any discouragement, what does that mean for us? You know, as we're going, as we're reading this passage, one thing that we see in the first few few verses of this passage is that as they're talking, even up to this point, as Jesus has been talking with the disciples, they have not yet recognized him. And this is going to be a theme that, that kind of permeates as you read through the Gospels and as you read about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It takes a moment. It takes a moment for people to come back and to recognize Jesus, even his closest disciples. But what does that mean? And we're, we're just going to finish with the last few verses in verses 30 to 35. And it says, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of their bread. You know, one of the things that I feel, and I wasn't there on the road to Emmaus. I was not there when they were walking. I don't know if I were a first century Jew, right? And I'm gathered. I'm like Simon Peter's friend or something. You know, I'm chilling. I'm going fishing. Maybe I'm a fisher back then. You know, I don't know. I don't know what it would have taken for me to recognize Jesus. But one thing, I, as I read this passage, I feel like, and one thing that surprises me, even as I'm reading this book with retrospect, with hindsight vision, is that I think maybe the one of the reasons why they did not recognize Jesus is because if Jesus really was who he says he was, what kind of king would come back in the way that he did? Now, if you think about it, imagine me, and thank God, I've always said this before, but thank God I'm not Jesus. But if you imagine with me that you are Jesus, right? And in your life, you did crazy miracles. You fed thousands and thousands of people. You raised the dead. You allowed the sick to be healed. You preached to many people. Imagine this, that those that hated you, those that persecuted you, crucified you beyond justice, beyond the greatest pain that man could bear. And you just defeated the greatest enemy of all of human history. Imagine you just rose from the grave. Imagine you finally like conquered the, the, the greatest enemy of all mankind. If I were Jesus, if I, were, um, if I had just accomplished this great feat and task, I know you guys can bet that I would come back with a little bit of bling. You can bet that when I come back, you know, and if, if, I, if I'm in my glorified body, right, if I have been resurrected, I probably have glowing skin. You know, my hair is, like, really thick and luscious. You know, and I'm walking the streets. The first thing I would do, I would come back, and I would come with chariots of fire or something. You know, I imagine if I were Jesus, and I was surrounded by these people that mocked me, that humiliated me. Like, I haven't even accomplished anything close to what Jesus has done, but anytime I do anything remotely that I'm proud of, you know, I have a strut in my step, right? I'm like, dude, hey, <laughs> hey, hey, friends, I have bestowed you with my presence. You know, if I had, if there is any moment, any time I accomplish something, any time I do something that I'm a little proud of, any time I overcome something that was really hard for me, but that I did it, you know, I come to my friends or I come to my family, I'm like, hello, mother, 
Hello, friends. Behold, your daughter has got an A on her test. You know, behold, your daughter did not procrastinate at all. But the crazy thing about Jesus is that I'm not him. The crazy thing about Jesus is that for him, the first thing that he does when he comes back, when he overcomes the grave, not just a grave, but he overcomes death, and he is in his resurrected body, he comes back and he preaches. And I imagine that I would come back if I were Jesus, and I would just be like, gather millions, gather the stadiums. You know that Coliseum? Let's rent it out. We're going to have a rally. We're going to have a revival service and I'm going to preach like I've never preached before. You know, I would like go on social media. I would tell my friends. I would say, you guys, you guys got to share this because it's going to be lit. You know, you thought 5,000 people were impressive before I crucified. Well, now I'm going to feed 20,000 people. You know, you thought raising Lazarus, well, tell Lazarus to to call all of his friends. You know, I'm going to raise all of them all at once. And I just imagine that even if he preached, it would be to a greater magnitude. It would be to a greater glory than what they had ever seen before. But the crazy thing about Jesus is that he is not only powerful, but he is humble. And the first thing that he comes back, his first sermon, when he comes back from the grave is to two people that did not even know who he was. His first act of coming back, and as we read in Luke chapter 24, in the following gospel, his first act after his resurrection is an act of fellowship. It's an act of relationship. It's an act where he says, he takes the time to listen. He takes the time to draw near to the disciples one by one, group by group, person by person, and he says that I am the victory that I have come back to life, that I am the redemption of Israel. And the crazy thing is, when I I read this, the disciples did not recognize him when he performed miracles because he did not do that, but they recognized him in the breaking of the bread. I just imagine Jesus is coming back, and he's walking alongside, and the first thing that he does is have breakfast, have some boiled fish. Come on, somebody. You know, I just imagine how great that fish must have been. And that's the first thing Jesus did, you know, when he comes back. It's like, man, I just came back from a mission trip. Give me some raisin cane chicken fingers, somebody. Or give me some McDonald's chicken McNuggets. I have low standards for food. But for Jesus, the first thing that he does, he walks, he shares the gospel to two people, and he has breakfast with them. What does that mean for us? It means that for us, victory is not a circumstance. Victory is not a change in the external appearances of of what we think victory looks like. Victory is not a stimulus package. Victory is not having enough money in the economy, but victory is a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. Victory is not having everything change around us. Victory is not having the job that you wanted to have. Victory is not having stability for the future, knowing that your family will be safe. But victory comes through one way, and that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And my question for us, I don't know who's listening. I don't know where you're coming from. But I know that today there is victory coming and approaching you in your life. But my question is, will you be the one to recognize it? 
Will you recognize victory when it comes and walks alongside of you? Because let me tell you, I don't know what the future will look like. I don't know what the economy will be like. I don't know how many people will lose their jobs. I don't know how many people will die of coronavirus. But one thing I do know that I have seen in my life is that there is a victory that we have access to, not just for our life here, but for all of eternity. And that victory for the world will not come when we have a president that we all love. Victory will not come when we have enough economy, where our economy starts to go up. Victory will not come when we see doctors develop a vaccine, but victory is here and now for every single person that is willing to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. For many of us, even for me, as I've been as I've been at home and I'm working, I've been striving for a sense of stability, a sense of security in my ho- in my house. I want to know that I'll have my job tomorrow, that my parents will be safe. I want to know that when I grow up, as I continue on, that there is going to be something that we can depend upon. But let me tell you today that there is already something that we don't have to wait. We don't have to wait for the right stimulus package. We don't have to wait for the pandemic to be over. We don't have to wait for the things around us to change. But right now, if you want victory, and it's not just an option, let me tell you, I'm saying this not because that the, these things are bad, but I'm saying that even if our economy changes, even if we were living in a world without disease, even if we lived in a place where everyone was unified and, and loving, that still would not save you. I have been in the highest and I have been in the lowest of places. But throughout my life, I have seen one thing, that whether I have it all or whether I have nothing, nothing in my life will save me but Jesus Christ. There is something that I've been longing for my whole life before this pandemic happened, before the economy went downturn. And that's something that we are all longing for is not a stability in our circumstances, but it is one person. His name is Jesus. And Jesus is not just an option. Jesus is not just a comfort for us right now when we have the security and knowing that, man, we can't depend on the government, but at least we can depend on Jesus. But Jesus is the only way, whether we are in the pandemic or whether we are out of the pandemic, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And there is no other life but him. And so for every single person that's listening here, I don't know what your life is like. I don't know if you're on the road to Emmaus, but I feel like some of you guys are walking a path that you do not know the end too. And maybe some of you guys are listening today and you have been discouraged and you have been disappointed and you have lost hope for your circumstances. I do not know what will happen. I cannot give you money. I cannot give you the security in knowing that your parents will be safe. But I can give you the security in knowing that whether it's this life or the life to come, there's only one person. There's only one Savior. Victory only looks like one thing and that person is Jesus Christ. And the invitation, the choice, is that will you recognize victory in your life? Wherever you're, wherever you're at, victory is coming alongside you. You don't have to draw near to it. You don't have to strive to achieve victory. But there's a person that's walking alongside of you. And maybe you felt tugs in your heart for the past few days. Maybe you've seen people around you and their faith in God. Let me tell you, that's not an accident. But there's one person 
that is walking alongside of you, that he has come and began to draw near to you. And as you're drawing near and as he's drawing near to you, you have a choice whether or not to recognize that it's Jesus and Jesus alone. Will you see it? And will you believe it? I would like to invite Anthony, our brother Anthony, to come back up. And we're going to go into a time of prayer and response. But if this is true, if what we see in Luke chapter 24, that Jesus, in fact, did not just give them the redemption of Israel that they had hoped for, but Jesus gave them a redemption for eternity. See, many times our discouragement comes when our greatest desires are not fulfilled. But Jesus comes. When he comes, he's not here to fulfill our greatest desires, but he's, he's here to give us greater dreams than even our greatest desires. They had hope for a military king. They had hope for someone that would come with an army, with horses and weapons to overthrow the Roman rule. But instead, there came a king riding on a donkey. There came a king that many people did not take the time to notice. But he was humble enough to wash the feet of those that would betray him. He's humble enough not just to reign from above us, but to walk alongside of us to draw near to us when we don't have the words to say. And if this is true, if this Jesus really has risen, if there is victory for us, if you're hearing me say victory, 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 and you're saying, yes, I agree, but how do I access this victory? How do I tap into the victory of Jesus Christ? How do I tap into this life? Because I can say yes, it's not on our circumstances, but there's reality. And I know that some of you guys are facing realities that you cannot change, realities that grip your heart. Maybe some of you guys have lost family members or friends. Maybe some of you guys have lost your jobs. Maybe some of you guys don't know what will happen in the future. How, how do we access this victory? The answer is simple. Just as Jesus, when he came back from the grave, the first thing that he did, he did not require people to come and give him money. He did not ask for a mass gathering, a revival. He only appeared to a couple hundred people compared to the thousands of people that he appeared to in his lifetime. But the first thing that he did, it was an act of fellowship. It is an act to say, I have come I have resurrected from the grave so that I could have a relationship with you. If there's one thing I can tell you today is that apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ, you cannot have victory. But that also means that you do not need to know, you do not need to strive, you do not need to do anything but come to Jesus and Jesus alone. I invite you wherever you're at, to come before Jesus, to come before Jesus. If this is your first time hearing the gospel, and I, I invite you right now in your homes to humbly come before Jesus, to bow down before him. I believe that for any one of you guys, if you want and you have this desire, there's a burning in your heart that says, man, I want, I want a hope again. I want a faith again. I want to come back to that place 
where I know that if I have Jesus, I have everything. I invite you right now. Jesus will meet you in your homes. Jesus will meet you as you come and bow before him and begin to confess your sins. You know, the greatest and the most beautiful thing about the gospel is that when we confess, when we surrender, when we say, God, I cannot do this on my own. God, I do not have control over the economy. I do not have control over my life. I cannot have peace on my own, but God, I believe that you can. When we come before God, when we confess our sins, and when we acknowledge that Jesus is calling us to himself, there is freedom today, there is victory today, and there is redemption for every single person that comes before Jesus. So I wanna make an invitation, especially for those, if you have fallen away from the church, or if you have never heard and given your life to Jesus Christ. Right now, I invite you guys to respond in your homes, to respond in your own ways, and to say, Jesus, I've never done this before, or maybe it's been a long time since I have responded to you. Jesus, would you come and meet me here? Jesus, I confess my sins. Father, would you forgive me for the ways that I have tried to take control over my life? I acknowledge that you are God and I am not. And I acknowledge that you died on the cross for me, for my sins, so that I can have victory in my life today. Can we come before the Lord and can we begin to surrender to God? And for those of you that are Christian, for those of you that have already walked with God for some time, I invite you guys to come before the Lord again and to say, Jesus, Father, in this season, I want to be in fellowship with you. Jesus, help me, God, to remember the promises. And maybe there are some believers, God has spoken promises in your life many years ago. Many, maybe there have been moments where you have felt the mark of God in your heart, but as life goes on, life gets hard, you've been discouraged, you've been downcast, and you have forgotten the promises that God has spoken in your life. I want to encourage you that God has not forgotten. That God has not forgotten the hopes and the dreams that you have for your future. That God has not forgotten the words that he has spoken over your life. So if that's you, can you come before God and say, Lord, I trust you. And I trust God that what you have said before, you are faithful to complete. You are faithful to remember. And you are faithful to perfect the work in me. Can we begin just to have a time where we respond to God and say, Lord, Jesus, you are alive, and I believe that even as the world is perishing, I believe that there is life in Jesus Christ alone. Let's come together, and let's, as we close in prayer, and as we come before the Lord Jesus, can we pray and acknowledge that the greatest victory does not come from a might or from an authority, but it came through love. And I just want to pray one thing before we close, and I feel like for there's, if there's anyone here who's listening that feels trapped and feels like they are surrounded by circumstances or even just thoughts, even if your circumstances are not dire, but your thoughts have been trapping you, one thing that Jesus says 
And he is the only one that has done this. Other people have made a way through force. Other people have made ways around their circumstances by might or by authority or by power. But Jesus has made a way for you by love. Jesus has made a way for you through his love. And if you feel trapped, the solution is not what you need to do or what is before you, but I feel like God is saying, remember the love that I have for you. And when we, when we remember the love of God, the love will make a way when man cannot make a way. That the love of God will make a way when the government fails us, when our parents fail us, when our jobs fail us, when the circumstances of our life fail us, love will make a way for us. So if there's anyone here, if you feel trapped, and maybe it's not even a circumstantial trapping, but you feel trapped by your own fears and your own thoughts, by your own doubts and your anxieties. I know that Jesus has made a way for you through his love. So come before him when you don't know where to go, when you don't know the step in front of you, come to Jesus because he is a way, he is a truth, he is a life, and there is no other way beside him. Let's pray together, and let's come before this Savior that has made a way for us. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God. I thank you, Father, for your love for us. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that when we are dis discouraged, God, even when we don't recognize you, Father, that you are drawing near to us, that you draw us to yourself. Father, I thank you for your patience, God, and right now, I pray for eyes to be opened those that you have been walking along the road with, those that you have been walking on the way to Emmaus, and you have been beside him, but they have not yet recognized you. Jesus, I pray that eyes will be opened. The hearts would turn to you and not just see you as who other people say you are, but will see you for who you truly are. We'll see you personally and powerfully and individually. Father, I pray that for those that feel trapped, God, I pray for those that feel helpless. Father, I pray that for those that have a hard time waking up and finding purpose in their day. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would show them, God, that you are the way and that you are the truth and you are the life. And when my other man came by force, you came with love. You came by humility. You came humbly, bowing down and washing the feet of those who do not deserve it. So God, I pray for your love to fill those, God, who feel trapped, who do not know where to go, who do not know where to turn, who feel like every door is shut before them. God, I pray that you would comfort them and you would show them more Jesus, that all they need to do is come before you. And Father, I pray for those that are responding to you for the first time. God, I pray Lord Jesus, that you would become their victory. Father, I pray that they would see the hope for eternity, the hope for their lives, God, that no matter what they are going through, Father, no matter who they are, Father, that you do not identify them by their past, that you do not identify them by their circumstances, but you call them to be your children. So, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, would you fill every heart today, God? Would you fill every household? Would you fill every congregation, Jesus? And we pray that today will become a day of victory, marking us for the rest of eternity as your sons and your daughters. 
waters. Lord Jesus, we love you, God. We thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you that you overcame our greatest disappointment, our greatest fears, and our greatest enemy, which is death. And I thank you, God, that you bring life and that you are good and that you are with us today. We give you the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.